The Youthscape Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Youthscape Podcast. A very special welcome from my home. Yeah, this is this is revolutionary. Yes. We've we've. Uh, We've stepped, stepped out of the high-tech <laughs> recording studio at Youthscape Towers, and today we are live, not, not live, not live really, but live At my dining room table. From, is this your dining room table? It's quite small. It, well, there are flaps, so you can, uh, you can listen to this. flaps. Can you hear that, everybody? And there we go. There are flaps All and right. creaky chairs. Now, the thing is, we're sat here during the daytime, and I don't know if anybody else does this. But it's a nightmare being at home during the day because you get sunlight just showing how dirty your windows are. I've got particularly dirty windows. Do you have a window cleaner? Do No, I don't have a cleaner or a window cleaner. Do people employ, I would love to know, know. as a straw poll, we should ask the Youth Work Centre, Youthscape Centre yes, Research they could do that, to do they? this. Who, who still uses window cleaners? They are around. We live in North London and there are cards put through our little door quite often. So I think, I feel like we've started like a train, not explained ourselves. <laughs> She's Rachel Gardner. I'm Martin Saunders. We are at Rachel Gardner's house. Why are we at your house, Rachel? Oh, because actually I am officially on adoption leave, maternity leave. We've adopted a little boy four weeks ago and uh, I've currently bundled him into the car with my lovely husband and sent them a massive list of shopping and said, go to Aldi and don't come back for three hours. He wasn't sure about me. He wasn't was he? sure about what Jason wasn't sure. No, about well, Jason, <laughs> Jason's never sure about me. But uh, but <laughs> little boy, little, little boy, boy was never no. wasn't sure about he me. Was but fine. I've got tired. one of those faces. Kids are always a they bit want to concerned. Pull your glasses off. They do. That's what it is. Yeah. So they're in Aldi, and we are doing the uh, podcast recording day here. And the thing is, I also the other quirk of the house is we have a sliding toilet door, and Martin got himself stuck in the loo and couldn't quite get out. <laughs> I can hear this rattling of the sliding door. So, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome. Oh, you didn't mention that before. I didn't, no. but I do now. I like mm. to kind of mm. reveal things. So how are you, Mars? I've not really seen you for four weeks. No, I'm well. You? I'm well, thanks. Thank How's um, everything at Youthscape Towers in my absence? Yeah, it's, it's actually burned down. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> oh gosh, imagine if it does now. Oh my goodness. That would be awful. Oh, gosh. Terrible. No, okay, no, it's great. It's good. All is well. Good. We are busy planning the National Youth Ministry oh, weekend. Six which is weeks today. Terrifyingly not far away yes um and yeah i'm uh, and I'm, I'm also currently the um youth team leader at my church as well and i, and I so my I life is full that started off as 10 hours and has probably eked into 60 hours a week has i it? Has that yeah i i mm. think at some point i'm due to talk about burnout on this uh, <laughs> podcast but uh, yeah there is an unhealthy rhythm to my life right now which okay. can't last very much that longer is honest. but uh no i think i think sometimes when you're initiating something um i'm not sure you can quite do work-life balance in no. the same way no. i heard um danielle strickland speak once uh, I, I don't know her personally just so you know i'm not name dropping but um but danielle strickland once talked about um work-life balance being a bit of a a, a, mm. a, a, a dodgy I concept and actually yes. you need rhythms and yes. wisdom Yes. And uh, and I, I don't really know what she meant, but it does mean it justifies me working longer hours. I, I also, I don't want to play the parent card at all because when I didn't have kids, that really annoyed me. But I also think when you've got children in your life, there is no such thing as balance. It just does not happen. It no. is, it's, says she who is sleeping on the floor next to a cot at the moment, being awake all hours. But I, but I did love what Danielle said because 
I think what she was saying is whoever's in your life, whether it's children or young people or elderly relatives you're caring for or your wider community, rhythm is about if all of us are dancing to the same tune, even if on the outside it looks completely crazy and hectic, if we're all okay, then that's okay. And the moment actually you're out of sync... That's good. Then you pick it up. Now, look, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, but now we are. Yes. Um, because I feel like I'm, I'm justifying myself to you a little bit now. But um, but I have had to make some quite big decisions. Yeah. Um, and, and my wife, Jo, and I have had to make some yeah. wise decisions uh, about how this is going to work. So I am working, uh, still working at Youthscape. I'm still Director of Innovation at Youthscape. Uh, but I'm also the youth team leader at St. Mary's Rygate for a period of time. Uh, and, uh, and so I've had to decide to stop doing kind of any writing. So I was writing oh, quite a lot of things. Were. I wrote, you know, I wrote some good things. You did. I wrote some excellent things. I wrote some irrelevant things. You wrote some um, inflammatory things. Did, but but the point is, I did a lot of writing, mm. and I've I've cut that down almost to zero. So mm. I'm just writing a, a a little column for youth and children's work magazine. But apart from that, I've stopped everything. So I think one thing to say is. If you are going to take on like an intense new thing, mm. something, has, something to give, has to give, even if it's the thing you love doing the most. So that's that's what I've had to do. Can I ask you, do you think the people who are taking on new things are in the best position to work out what has to give? Or do you think there's a natural blind spot that actually you need other people to say to you, no, you've got to lay that down? Because that's hard, isn't it, laying something down? Well, yes. In my case, and I can't really go into it, mm. God did it. Did he? he pretty much stopped the writing overnight at the same time as I was being asked to do this and sometimes not often in my life has this happened sometimes uh, God very clearly closes one door yeah. and opens another at the same time and there's a sense of leading in that so, did it come with a cease and desist letter as well or was it like no <laughs> not quite not quite so that so the, so the first thing is things have to give yeah. the second thing is if you are going to do a lot in your life there has to be a synergy between mm. the things that you do. Mm. So what I'm doing at Youthscape and what I'm doing at St. Mary's, there's so much overlap. Mm. Every time I'm in front of a group of young people, there's there's relevance there to my day job. And every time I'm sitting there in my day job, there's 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 mm. relevance there to what I'm going to do in my moonlighting time. Mm. Um, the, the, the third thing is, I don't know why I've come up with a list here, but the third thing is, uh, is, is about, um, you, you know, you can't do this forever. So there needs to be some boundaries and, and some end dates. And so we have actually got that in place with the church as well. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is, obviously, you, you have to really prioritise your, your base and your, your family and whatever that looks yeah. like. For me, I've got, you know, my wife who works as well. Yeah. I've got four kids um, and a dog who wow. needs walking. Um, so things are pretty full on, but that has meant we've we've decided as a couple to deliberately have a babysitter one night a week and actually go out and have proper time together. And I'm trying to have intentional time with my kids. The terrifying thing is, with less time in my life, but more intentionality—terrible Christian word—more intentionality about the time I spend with with my children, I'm having better time with all of them. Aww. So hopefully, when life gets back down to normal again. I will uh, continue those things and mm. not go back into watching endless Netflix. Now, I know that you weren't planning on saying any of that, but it came out very well-formed because I guess that's the product of the fact that you and Joe and others have had to have a good long chat about stuff and talk about things. like when, Because when you can tick along with life as it is, you don't really have to ask yourself the difficult questions. The moment there's a disability or you're in an accident or you're up against it in terms of finances or you move somewhere new or there's a challenge or whatever it is, suddenly you have to kind of focus in on these things, don't mm, you, in a different mm. way. So I think that's 
I think you sound very invigorated, actually, Martin. I have to say. Yeah, I am invigorated. I feel like I'm not going to tell the burnout story today. (laughs) But I I will tell the burnout story because... Because uh, yeah, that's yeah, the other half of it, yeah. and and you have to be wise. Like you, ca- I can't be Superman. No. My job at St Mary's, they they gave me this accidentally gave me this title, which was youth team leader, yeah. and I actually think it's quite prophetic. We've got an amazing group of, of volunteers and and brilliant people at the mm. church, and my job is probably to um, corral them mm. to help them get trained and inspired mm. and equipped, and then to release them to lead youth ministry mm. but we have got some really exciting stuff going on so I am I'm very what? you're very buoyed I'm very buoyed Weed right up. now I can see that and also yeah. I gave you a very was it a strong coffee you gave me a very strong coffee did I so there we go that's, that's everyone has just better. heard that you gave me a strong coffee now we have a phenomenal guest I know we say that every single week because it is true because we only want to get people listen, that you listen to lovely listeners who've got something great to say but it's so good sometimes when you have someone that brings a real challenge and particularly for me when, when Martin and I did this interview with Sanjay I, I just sat listening to Martin thinking actually for all that I've been working in an urban setting with young people for a very long time and I've often worked with young people um, from the South Asian community I still I'm still quite blinkered and, and unaware really what often young people are facing from different communities so shall I introduce the interview yeah you, I, I mean this is, this is good stuff it basically is good stuff. isn't it that's all you're saying yeah basically this is good stuff so get your luggles around this it's the Youthscape podcast around a laptop and we have got an interview with the wonderful Sanjay Rajo. Thank you so much Sanjay for tuning in. It's a pleasure. You look like you're, you're leaning back on a very comfy sofa. Comfy chair. Comfy chair, very nice. We're, yeah. we're in my house yeah. and I have to say these are not comfy chairs. Aren't these they? are not comfortable, they do keep you on your on your toes as it were, that's your, quite a good yeah. thing isn't it? Yeah absolutely <laughs> and Sanjay we're so delighted that you've been willing to let us interrupt your morning and interview you. So oh, uh, tell, us, tell us a bit about who you are. You you are the founder and CEO of, oh my goodness, it's gone out of my head. Norjavan. Norjavan. Can you tell us a little Brilliant. bit about what that is? You said it. What it <laughs> yeah, so, um, well, I'm actually not the founder, but I am the leader of it mm-hmm. at the moment. So it, um, it began, it's an organisation that began to reach out to young South Asians across the UK uh, 20 years ago, actually, yeah. exactly 20 years ago. We just celebrated 20 years. Um, of the work and the the kind of heart behind it was to engage with 16 to 30s and help them understand their identity in Jesus Mm -hmm. um, and kind of navigate the the reality of being British Asian people Mm -hmm. Um, and to be honest it was meant to be a one-off kind of event it wasn't really meant to be a, a movement or anything that kind of carried on beyond some sort of initial gathering and yeah about 20 years ago a whole bunch of young people came together and there was a kind of realization there was a need in this community and how it was going to be met wasn't really sure we weren't really sure how it was going to kind of develop but uh, little events kept happening up and down the country and uh, we discovered that a lot of the young people that were coming even though they went to church every week they hadn't really had a personal encounter with Jesus and uh there was all kinds of layers to this thing, uh, which sort of got unpacked over the years. And and then we kind of realized that there's a need to reach not just uh, the South Asian people that go to church, but of course, those yeah. who are from other faith backgrounds. 
And these these events sort of provided quite a safe place for uh, people to bring their, their non-Christian friends to, mm. uh, which they did. And they were particularly non-Christian friends who had some other faith uh, background. And they would come to these events and, you know, somehow, some way, by God's grace, people kept meeting Jesus. And um, we just got to be a part of that story, really. When, when you talk about other faith backgrounds, obviously, yeah. it, is there some element of risk involved in that? So, so if you come to faith from uh, a, a Muslim background, for instance, in some families, yeah. that is going to yeah. be very bad, bad news for you, isn't it? So there's going to be, you, you, you could even be kind of thrown out of the family for that kind of decision. So how, 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 do you, how much do you have to consider that? Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting challenge. I think... Um, even coming to some of these events for some people, we didn't realize this at the time, but even even coming out to something like that was maybe a bit dangerous. Um, and that there was perhaps all kinds of layers of difficulty. So if someone comes to faith from a Muslim background or even a more extreme Hindu or Sikh background, there, there could be repercussions. And for us, one of the challenges was about follow-up and support. We were working all over the country and we're a small team from uh, one sort of location. So it, it, was, it was all about the right church partnerships and trying to help people um, move forward. But the risk was huge and continues to be huge. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's a spectrum. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. So you, you get some very nominal uh, believers of Muslim background or whatever that come along, and there's not so much risk. But I, I would say that... By and large, uh, for someone who's grown up in another faith family, um, like my parents are from this sort of scenario, uh, they would have to, when my dad became a Christian, for example, he would have to sneak out to church every week. Um, and that seems like a bizarre thought, doesn't it? Like when you think mm. about that, for, for most of us who've grown up in the West, like sneaking out to church, I and mean, we're sneaking away from church most of yeah. the time. So, yeah. um, I, you know, for, for, for me, I grew up hearing that recognizing even my grandparents or my extended family uh, weren't fans of the choices that um, certainly my parents made. And so the, the, the element of risk and cost, I think, that's probably um, the word I would use, that, that there's a cost, a major cost to, to following Jesus. And that was a deep question that I had growing up. Why would my parents, why would my dad especially, uh, risk losing kind of everything, the relationship with his own family, to follow this Jesus, that kind of intrigued me and it opened up a door yeah. for me. And I guess I can relate to some of the people we connect with yeah. as a result of that. You said 20 years ago that you started a, an event and weren't sure that it would kind of be anything more than that, but found that there was such a need for young people, particularly from the South Asian community, to connect. Were you, were you finding then and now that it was largely young people from South Asian churches, or were you finding that these are young people just from any church background, but just wrestling with their identity as South Asian, also as Christian in the West. How, where, where were these young people coming from? Yeah, so it was largely South Asian churches. Um, back then, there were probably around about 300 South Asian churches in the UK. So I'm not sure on the sort of latest stat, but and, and I'd sort of define that by a church that's relatively traditional in its uh, approach. So they would be singing songs or speaking in Punjabi or Hindi or Urdu or something along those lines. Um, and there was probably, in most of those churches, very little in the way of um, kind of engagement for young people. Um, 
And, and I think what we were discovering was a lot of the people that came along was very loyal to church on a Sunday. They, they would go along and they'd be part of whatever was there. They'd please their parents. Now, Asian culture is an honor culture, so that there would be a sense of going along out of duty, but had never had anything that made sense to them. Um, in fact, if they were like me, they probably hardly understood the language that the service was in. Mm. And so really struggled just even to connect um, at a basic level. Mm. And so we had links um, around the country with a lot of those churches and, and began a kind mm. of a quest to say, should we do something? I'm sorry to interrupt you. That was so weird. No. I'm just intrigued to find out whether the elders and the leaders of the churches liked what you were doing or found that to be a threat. How, how were you received? Yeah, yeah, not well. <laughs> um, the, 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 the fact was that I think uh, when it was all beginning, there was a lot of polite nodding and agreement to the, the idea of an event or a gathering or a movement like this. Um, but when the invitation sort of came to participate, there was quite a lot of resistance. Um, I mean, to, to the extent that in the first few years of Nordjavan kind of coming to life, we would the, the events would kind of to maximize it there'd be a lot of travel around the country uh, just trying to get into different spaces and places um, working with local churches and it was often in fact the young people who were kind of calling us to come and do something mm. um, and that would cause tension mm. with the elders um, a lot of tension I mean there's there's a there's a sort of cultural reason for that um, I think in the sense that uh, there was a threat to power. There was a there was a, a fear of um, theft of young people. I mean, it was so strange. Like we weren't a local church. We were this kind of we were trying to promote this message of empowering young people for the local church. Um, but I think for a lot of the church leaders, there was a resistance. And and we even had, sadly, at times, you know, that there were churches that would sort of. Uh, block their young people from coming actively intentionally stop um in one church um and by god's grace this didn't happen in the end but it came close to kind of splitting apart over hosting one of our events um in wow. the early years because the there was so much division about what was actually going on and we, we were trying to figure things out um as well um and over the years i think what's really happened is because we've stuck around we haven't run away um there's been a kind of a slow dawning and understanding, a credibility um, that now, by and large, there isn't that resistance. Mm. And so we have a bit more freedom um, in that community, but not without, not without challenge still. Mm. Is there a different starting point when you are, generally speaking, sharing faith with South Asians as opposed to, you know, uh, the sorts of young people that, that most of our kind of listeners will be be dealing with, I guess probably most of our listeners are working with uh, first generation, British, mainly white, um, but some yep. other ethnic groups as well. But is there, is there a specific difference in terms of where you start um, with a South Asian young person? I, I would just say it's easier in terms of faith. It's easier with a person from Asian background. The, the, the things of um, spiritual content are not off the table. They're not weird mm. to talk about. Um, it's a given that God is real. It's a given that he uh, has a part to play in our lives. I mean, most of my relatives, for example, who are believers, um, on the surface, you know, if you, if you saw them at work or at school or wherever it might be, 
um, they might seem quite normal, but if you were to go to their home, you know, it wouldn't be out of place for there to be some kind of shrine in a room and uh, for the kind of conversation about God or the temple to be to be very active. And so for me to talk about my faith isn't strange. Um, and so I think as, as in terms of a starting point, it's not so... Uh, taboo to bring up the things of religion and God and then I think probably there are a lot of common things too you know I mean the the basic thing of love and 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 keeping uh, the relationship first showing people that you care that kind of stuff of course remains and then and then maybe there is the opportunity certainly for someone of my background to be able to to share my story Mm. Um, I think I, I find I found that with a lot of my Friends, for example, we had some. We had a, a couple who live on our block around for dinner the other day, who aren't Christians, but they're from an Asian background. And the minute they found out my wife and I were Christians, the the kind of door opened so easily. Hmm. Uh, they couldn't they couldn't compute how I was both Asian and Christian simultaneously. Hmm. Um, they they didn't really understand that. They hadn't come across that. And without saying much more than we believe in Jesus, hmm. um, there was a, a an incredible openness. Hmm. Um, so there is that advantage, I suppose, mm. that, that I have um, in yeah. that domain. And that's something we promote a lot. You know, that's that's something we, we're really keen on. Because for years, people who haven't been uh, South Asian have been reaching the South Asians. Um, but there's something that we can do. If we can raise up young South Asian leaders, Brilliant. Yes, they can get indoors that other people just yes. wouldn't really find difficult to get yeah. in. So I think on the whole, it's actually, yeah. the conversation is much more open. I'd like to ask you a bit more about that. Actually. I'd like to ask you because I think representation is so so important, isn't it? That young people yeah. see adults and leaders that look like them, that come from their background, yeah. that share their story. And I guess for twenty years you've been doing that. You've been actively raising up leaders. So actually now, probably some of the leaders of these churches are probably completing your projects. What what do we need to hear? Those of us who might be working in schools and colleges and projects where we're working with young people who've got different ethnic backgrounds to us, different challenges. What what do we need to understand about what matters for them in terms of? I'm thinking particularly discipleship, if that's okay. Just initially, yeah, those yeah. who are Christians who are part of our youth groups, are part of the Christian unions we run, or something. What 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 do we need to be aware of? I think probably a, a really good place to begin is is. Um, a general awareness of what that individual's life at home would be like. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll just tell you a quick story of a, a girl who's in our church, <clears throat> and she is from a Sikh background, and she she ended up coming to church quite miraculously. The Lord sort of met with her. She, she became a Christian. Um, but her home life is so difficult as a result of that. Um, and her situation is so tricky as a result of that. And and if we as a, a church body had no real awareness of what that looked like for her, um, to be able to relate or to continue that relationship, and, and I think in the area of discipleship, which is really what this whole thing is about, actually, because it isn't simply about getting someone through the door, praying a prayer, and then kind of saying, carry on, mm, please. Mm. It's being family with people. Um, you know, Martin, you asked earlier about the risk, and I think that for so many, the cost and the risk is losing your family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in return, it mustn't just be a Sunday meeting. It mustn't <laughs> just be a, a youth group here and there. It needs to be a sense of family. And I think if there's one thing that 
the, the kind of wider church could get, particularly with reaching those from other faith backgrounds, is is kind of recognizing that the the, the home life and the cost to that. Um, and I think with Asian culture particularly, there's such a high value on family. Mm. And and so if to follow Jesus, you lose that and the mm. church aren't able to kind of meet that need to some degree. Mm. Of course, not all of it comes there. We have to rely on the Lord directly. But but I think as, as groups, as youth groups, as leaders of groups, recognizing that someone who walks in from those backgrounds uh, and is choosing to follow Jesus, is probably costing them a lot more than meets the eye. And, and yeah. often they don't show it, I don't think, on the surface. And so finding ways to be family mm. with those people, having them in our homes, having them uh, kind of, there being more than just the meetings mm. um, is really important. And we're not, we're not experts in that. You know, we're, we're trying to figure it out. I think that the best thing is we, we just need to try and, yeah. and, and be aware. That is an amazing insight, actually. And I guess it, it leaves me that, with a question which is, for, for those of us listening, what, what is the best place for us to focus our energies? Because I, I don't think you can listen to this uh, interview without being quite challenged about yeah. our, our blind spots in youth ministry. Yeah. Um, so, so if you could only have one of these, because I know the answer is going to be both. So if you, if you had to prioritise one of these, are you really, would you really love us to invest as a, as a whole youth ministry community to, to invest more time, more resources in reaching South Asian young people? Or is it about us supporting South Asian leaders and young people to reach their community? What, you know, if you had to kind of emphasis. make a choice about <laughs> emphasis, I know I'm, it's unfair, but otherwise, yeah. otherwise you always end up with a, it'd be good to do both. You know, what, what really yes. is the, is the focus? Your heart, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's probably the latter about mm-hmm. reaching, uh, helping those who are from South Asian background reach out. And the only reason I say that is uh, because I don't think we've seen the full possibility of that yet. Fantastic. Um, okay. I mean, we've been doing this for 20 years, but we haven't actually been able to invest in leaders for 20 years because they just haven't been present. Um, it's really in the last five or six years that we've been discovering here are some young people who, who really love Jesus really get that they're called to the Asian community um, and they themselves are Asian mm-hmm. um, and we're learning to try and create space so for example every year we do a, a sort of invite only leaders gathering for South Asian leaders young leaders and we're trying to train and equip and mentor some of them to do something that I don't think we've seen in this country um, before and so for me that's a huge priority and I think that that would be where if we can invest in that, um, mm. that that would be an exciting mm. thing to see, but not not forgetting the other not, side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I have to say, I, I know we, we talk about soul survivor so much, Martin, and I, because it's kind of part of our life and our rhythm of life with young people. But this summer, we took um, my church took quite a few of our younger youth who had just got old enough to go to the Soul Survivor Festival, and a number of them are South Asian boys, aged twelve, thirteen. And um, wow. it was just so brilliant because I, I mentor a couple of them very informally on a Sunday morning. But it was just amazing to see them stand in the worship space. And I suddenly looked through their eyes and saw that they were surrounded by a number of guys older than them that looked like them worshipping Jesus. Like it, it just for the one of the first times it suddenly mm. felt this is quite a diverse bunch of young people. Mm. That, you know, it's 10,000 mm. teens in the, in the venue. And, I, and so I, I, I get it. I, I, I think I have... You know, like most people listening, all of us listening, such a heart that every young person mm. we serve 
gets to be everything God made them to be, but also recognising that there are some things that we need as leaders to actively go after on behalf of our young people and get behind people like you, Sanjay, and say, what, what can we do to support what you're doing? Because um, that's absolutely crucial that we're, we're all part of the same conversation, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. This, this is, it, we're not talking about ghettoization of church here. We're not talking about having, you know, yeah. a, a, a section over here, like, uh, where, where, where all the South Asian Christians meet and the have church. Food, though, can I just say? They will have better, better food. food. <laughs> yeah, they will have better food. But, um, but then go and reach their yeah. friends. Isn't the picture of, of more of a united church and then within that, all of us equipped to reach the sorts of people that we can best reach? Isn't that, that's that right. boiled, yeah, it yeah, boils yeah. down to that, yeah, doesn't it? I mean, I think we've, we've seen that in our own context. So I'm, I'm based in Southampton. Um, and our church, the church I grew up in, was a, a church that was an Asian fellowship, an Asian church. Um, but we bought a building back in 2006, and we rebranded at that point as an international church, mm. even though we were sort of placed in the Asian sort of area of the city. Mm. We discovered that we weren't going to lose that specialty and that speciality to be able to reach out to South Asians, but we needed to be an environment which was much more all-encompassing. Mm. And I think I think crossing cultures and being aware of crossing cultures at the kind of mainstream church level mm. is so, so important. Yes, it's about being family, but there's also just a simple educational element to it mm. um, of, of, you know, what does someone from a Muslim background actually believe? Mm. Um, what does someone from a Sikh or Hindu background actually believe? And what does it look like in, in practice? And so, you know, one of the resources that we've been involved with developing something called Discovering Jesus Through Asian Eyes. Um, it's, uh, it's 16 frequently asked questions of people from South Asian background about Jesus and how to answer them really basically, Brilliant. bite-sized answers based on scripture, that kind of thing. And, and I think that, if nothing else, that's a really potentially very valuable starting point mm. for a lot of places where it's, a, it's this little booklet that we can kind of use to educate ourselves and even potentially give away to friends who are from that background. Yeah. But more than that, just get educated yeah. with. And, and so we found that to be really helpful in resourcing the wider church mm. in kind of finding their feet in becoming more multicultural or international um, in a in a way that makes sense but doesn't kind of create silos or or put people in little yeah, pockets absolutely. in the corner. So, yeah. so, so yeah, that's amazing. Can I ask you a question? So jump back to the beginning of the interview because you said I said to you, was it easy when you started this movement? Did the elders and the leaders love it? And you were like, no. Can I ask you about that? Because you people listening are all leaders. And so they will have come up against that on a different, you know, like trying to get something going and somebody saying no. How, yeah. how did you guys keep going? How did you know that actually you had to keep going, even though people that maybe you loved and really respected were finding it difficult and, and were saying, this is rocking the boat. So can you just give us a little bit of insight? Because I think that will really resonate with people listening who probably are facing something similar. How yeah, um, I think we've, I mean, the truth is, I think that um, a lot of it was born out of the church I was in. And and so our uh, main leaders in the church uh, were the ones sort of spearheading this. So, so they had a little, bit of, yeah. a little bit of clout. Mm. Um, but they also had experience. Um, so there was a resilience, I think, in, in their approach, in their attitude, a maturity. It wasn't flash in the pan sort of stuff. It was, it was much more, we recognize God as 
has kind of set this in our hearts and therefore we'll continue. And, and what happened actually was that there was um, a group of people who, who and it was a very small group actually, a small core who just got it. Mm. And I think there was just this quiet commitment and confidence that said, it doesn't really matter, we're going to carry on, we know mm. there's a place for this. And actually everywhere we went, even when there was resistance, there was always also people who were saying, we really need this. And, um, and so I, I think, I don't know about you guys, but I often feel when, even to this day, you know, when we, when we run some of these things, I, I find that sometimes in the run-up to these events or gatherings, I'm just wondering, are we doing, is this the right thing? You know, is it time to kind of move on to something else or, or whatever? But we, we do something and come out the end, end of it and I'm so blown away by the stories and the kind of the encouragements and the and the, the kind of conversations that I end up having that I'm convinced again mm -hmm. that we need to keep doing this and and I guess there's something in that about just sticking with it, keeping going, uh, being faithful, recognizing the Lord has called something. I suppose when you know that He's said do it, um, you keep doing it. Yeah. I, I think that that's the heart of it, really. If if He's in it, then mm. um, I don't want to stop doing it until he says do something else mm. um, and so yeah I think those earlier years I can't personally take a lot of credit for that I, mm. I just I got to see some people who were just solid and kept going but isn't that beautiful and you said a lovely thing about um with experience comes resilience and you also talked mm. about when God places something in your heart and that that really struck a chord with me I thought it's like like putting something in a top pocket, it's like, it's okay, it's in there. You know, people can question it and threaten it and say I don't like it, but if God's placed it in there, then he's placed it in there and they'll, they'll bear fruit. That's right. what, I think that's going to be really fantastic mm. for some folks who need to hear that. Thank you, Sandra. Now, Sandra, um, we yeah. are very much looking forward to hearing yeah. you uh, speak at the National Youth Ministry Weekend uh, in November. Um, and yeah. uh, you're, obviously the topic of the, the theme of the event is risk, risk everything. Yeah. It, it's yeah. not difficult to see what some of the stuff you might be uh, talking about, some of the stories you might be telling. Um, yeah. But before then, how can people connect with what you're doing? Do you want to just explain a bit about what you do as, as Norjavan and um, and how people can connect with you? Yeah, sure. So um, so we, in terms of what we do, we, we on the front end, we run a, a bunch of events throughout the year largely across the uk we've got some actual it's kind of strange there's, there's a group of people that kind of carried this over to canada um a few years ago and, and they're doing a similar thing there under the same name um but but in the uk probably half a dozen times a year we're gathering in different spots for nights of worship teaching ministry that sort of thing um with an asian flavor uh, to it and um the, the, really the heart of that has always been about evangelism discipleship mm. that kind of thing mm. um so people can kind of anyone who's interested to sort of get a glimpse of this and see what's going on can is totally welcome to join us the, the events are kind of pitched at 16 to 30 year olds um that, that they're very much they'll be very familiar to anyone who's involved with young people and, and work in church but perhaps with a slight edge uh, and um i think one of the things that i've I've definitely um, discovered is that when people who come along to these events, it's a really good insight uh, to to kind of the wider story. And so, I mean, if people want to come along, there's we've got a website, norjavan.com, N-A-U-J-A-V-A-N.com. Thank you for spelling that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's no problem. Yeah, no problem. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they can come along to the events. All the information is there. We, we, um, 
we run a weekend away, which we're doing, I think, a couple of weeks before your, before the yes, National that's right. it's two weeks Youth before. Ministry weekend. So um, that's there. And I guess that that's kind of the front end. But then there is sort of a, a sort of secondary layer behind it, which is for those young leaders. Mm. And we don't, we don't advertise that as much. Mm-hmm. It's much more sort of private and informal. But um, there's a layer there where we're trying to engage and support, particularly young South Asian leaders, or even those who aren't from that background but are interested in connecting with those people or have them in their mm-hmm. church or mm-hmm. young people in their youth group or whatever. So that there's that level of uh, training and equipping that's available. And Brilliant. we do a little bit of work with the Evangelical Alliance uh, along those lines mm. to try and help resource the wider church Thanks. as well. So I'd, I'd really suggest checking out that Discovering Jesus Through Asian Eyes that material essential, um, actually, as well. Really. Yeah, sounds great. Amazing. Oh, brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, uh, no thank problem. you, Sanjay. It's been amazing yeah. to speak to you this morning. Yes. Um, Rachel has been through several costume changes while we've been talking. <laughs> She, uh, the glasses were on, now they're off. Yeah, she had glasses on. <laughs> I, I've never seen you in glasses. You no. just pulled those out yeah. like some and sort of I comedy disguise. I've been doing my hair. <laughs> what is going on? So sorry about that. Oh, no, I'm, I'm listening. I'm just distracted hey. by just lies in general. It's all good. It's all so that good. Was I can't wait to hear more at the conference. That's going to be so good, Sanjay. Thank you. Bless you. Have a really good rest of the day. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Sanjay. The Youthscape Podcast. Okay, now we have, as per usual, our little list of people that we like to do shout outs for. And yeah. we've changed it. This is the 8th of October. It's a, new, so it's a new dawn. It's a new dawn, it's a new day. And it's a new life for me. And actually, in Harrow, uh, there is something new being launched this term called the Harrow Youth Collective. So, Harrow Youth Collective, you're getting a shout out. And there are more people than this, but I know these people are part of it. So, these youth workers Jason Gardner, Paul Cable, Helen Wallenscroft, Ben Nichols, plus a few extra I'm aware of. But this is churches getting together saying, let's pool resources. Let's not kind of nick young people from each other's churches, but let's disciple those that we have, but also let's connect together and do more across the town. So well, just the first name on that list was familiar to me. It is. It's my husband. I think he the should get his own Jessica. individual yeah. shout out. Yes, do you, if only because he is currently in Aldi. <laughs> Buying nappies, size three, and wet wipes in bulk. Oh my days, you need to take a mortgage out to have a kid, honestly. Send nappies, size four and above, oh, to Youthscape, you. 74 <laughs> Butte Street, Luton, Bedfordshire. Fantastic. Oh, uh, and more people on the list. Uh, Gemma Dunning. Yes, we love you, Gemma. Gemma, we love you. And also, you say such nice things about us. That's so not the reason often. we do it. Not us personally, do, yeah. but you engage with the podcast regularly, and you, you, it's really encouraging and affirming when people actually say stuff on yes. like Twitter and yes. other social networks. No, she's so she's getting a shout out. And then we've got someone here who like ain't in the UK, is he? Not Tim even America. Fawcett. Where not, is he? He's in Australia. Australia, Tim. You're listening to us from Australia. He he um he let us know the other day that he was listening and oh. even likes the podcast. And even likes it. So that's cheap. all. It's, it's pretty cheap. That's how you get a shout out. <laughs> the bar is Listen very and low. Quite like the podcast. It's the social media version of giving us eye contact. If you give us any eye contact via social media, then you are on this podcast shout out. So uh, we love you all, and we hope you've been really inspired by this. And remember that the uh, you can download the program now for the National Youth Ministry Weekend. Yes, you can. Yes. So again, this comes with a caveat because I'm currently getting messages of people saying, "Right, I 
I've not managed to get tickets. Can you get me in? And I can't. I'm so sorry. So we're really conscious that some of you are listening and are like going. Aah. But those of you who are booked and are coming, you can download the program. Yes, it's at youthscape.co.uk slash nymw. And it's been pointed out that you just can't abbreviate the uh, no, National no, no, Youth no, Weekend. You yeah, can't. Yeah. People don't want to no. say NYMW. You can't and you say can't, NYMW. So people end up saying National Youth Ministry Weekend. If you say the weekend, I do that all the time at home. I say to my wife, she says, what were you doing today? I said, oh, I was um, you know, talking to some of the speakers for the weekend. She's like, what? What, what, weekend? what which, which, which weekend? Next weekend. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, the National Youth Ministry weekend. She said, why don't you say that? I said, because you can't abbreviate it. So we could do Natmin New Week. No, that's no, work. Natmin New Week. Natmin New Week. So no, the weekend, that could work. The weekend. The weekend, but it's, it's not. The weekend. Which weekend? Well, we know what weekend. It's context, isn't it, that gives it the show. I feel like this podcast so is running out of Yeah, let's, um, let's go have another coffee. So we love you lots and lots. Take care. I'm now going to open the flaps on my table. Here we go. Woo!